I'm going to do the best that I can to move in this beautiful atmosphere with the word that the Lord gave me for this morning. I'm telling you, it is such a joy to be in this house. I was sitting here in worship today, and when the Spirit of God began to fall, what I said was, wow. And I realize that every time I come here, Pastor, I end up in worship saying, wow. Which is a prophetic declaration over this house. That you can't get bored here. You bet, if you're getting bored, you need to repent and get saved all over again. Because the presence of God is very strong here. So everybody say, wow. wow. Say it backwards. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's wow here. It really is. Leif Hetland says, say it upside down, which is mom. But we're not going to go there. Today is the day of Pentecost, and it's such a glorious celebration. It is the birthday of the church. It is the day that the church was established by God in his time. And for those of you that, uh, by the way, I'm Mike Hutchings. I'm the director of Global School Supernatural Ministry. In the first service, we just commissioned uh, the very first class of Global School of Supernatural Ministry, Hampton Roads Satellite School. If you're a student, stand up. Natalie, I don't know where you're at, but come on, stand up. Celebrate our students there. There's Natalie. Did such a wonderful job. Give thanks to God for them. Get them to pray over you because they carry uh, a very great anointing upon their lives, but that anointing is available for every one of us. Could I get an agreement in the room, anybody? So in your Bibles, you're going to go back to Acts chapter 2, which is where uh, Pastor began the service with. And you need to understand... Uh, about this day that is very important because it's not only important to Christians but it's also an important day for our Jewish friends because it is, it is the feast of Pentecost and it is a celebration of not only the harvest by the way it is the, the harvest of the wheat that they celebrated and they actually gave a wave offering which is they waved the first fruits of the wheat harvest as part of their worship but it is also a celebration, uh, I didn't get into this in the first service, but it is also a celebration of the day that Moses came down Mount Sinai and gave the law. That was on Pentecost as well. So it is an incredible day for the Jewish people, and it is, it is, a, it is a real feast of giving thanks to God for all that he has given us, for realizing that everything we have comes from God, and that when we celebrate that, when we remember not only what God has done, but also celebrate the present provision, which also sets us up for future provision. How many of you know that? It literally means, this celebration means that somebody had enough faith to put seed into the ground. And out of that seed and the cultivation of that seed, there came a little seedling. And that seedling continued to grow as it was watered on, as it was fertilized, as the ground around it was cultivated. And as that continued to grow, it got strong enough to be able to produce fruit. And that fruit began to multiply. And instead of becoming one seed and only producing one seed, it not only produced fruit, but it actually produced much more seed than it could possibly produce had it not been in the ground. You know all of these parables. Jesus taught them about how important the idea of the harvest was. 
And it says in Luke chapter 9 that Jesus looked out upon the people and he, he, he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd, like without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, pray that the Lord of the harvest send workers into the harvest for the fields are whitened, ready for harvest. There's a whole teaching on that. But the whitened fields is literally, he's referring to wheat fields, which is what the harvest that you celebrate at Pentecost. So let's look at Acts chapter 2 and read that again. Uh, today, uh, because it was a day that we commissioned the Global School of Supernatural Ministry students, I want you to understand what it means to be supernatural. That indeed, if you're a not if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not walking in the supernatural, then you've missed the call of God on your life. If you've if you're not living by the power that God provided for you to live like Jesus calls us to live, then you've missed something. And the celebration of Pentecost every year brings us back to the place that we understand that is in this moment of time that we celebrate that we realize that not only did Jesus birth the church, but also gave the church everything that we are required to have in order to fulfill the call of God upon our lives. Could I get an agreement with the rest of you in Jesus' name? In Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost had come, they, that is, the disciples and those who were with them, gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house while they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from many nations under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language. And when they were amazed and marveled, saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? And others were mocking and saying, They are full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all who of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit upon all mankind. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs of the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be 
that, glo- that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to, you, to connect you briefly with something that happened in the Old Testament that changed literally the entire structure of this world. You and I understand that when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he created them not just to be, uh, to be tools used for his purposes, but he created them to be sons, a son and a daughter who would join him in the family business and take their experience in the Garden of Eden and multiply it throughout the rest of the earth that they were given a mandate by God to have dominion over the earth, to have control over the animals, to have, to have the supernatural ability to steward the earth and to multiply what they had experienced in the Garden of Eden in such a way that the entire earth would go from being kind of in a place of dark and void and not completely together, going from a little piece of land in the Middle East that was called the Garden of Eden to making the entire earth a garden. That indeed, if you understand the full realm of the revelation from Genesis to Revelation, the Bible begins in the garden, the history of mankind begins in a garden, and it ends in a garden. In other words, God's desire has always been for there to be a family of sons and daughters who would not just serve him as servants, but indeed would be sons and daughters that come into the full inheritance of the purpose that they created him. He created them for in the first place, that they would literally take ownership of the be fruitful and multiply mandate that he gave to them, and that they would take what began in a garden as the family business of tending trees and gardens and to take that throughout the rest of the earth to see the kingdom of God rule and reign on this earth. How many of you understand that? It was when it was when humankind, a man and a woman who were sons and daughters, listened to the lie that somehow they could do all this without intimate connection with their father, that the enemy of our soul, who was jealous of us because he saw the purpose of God in our creation. He was jealous of us, and he knew that if he could lie to us and tell us that somehow God was holding out on us, that if, we could, if he could make us make that disconnection, that he would have an opening to come into this world and to bring into this world everything that would seek to destroy humanity and to make life miserable on this earth. Jesus called him the thief. And he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's not talking about life in heaven, folks. He's talking about life while we live on this earth. Amen? So understand that in the midst of all of this, there is, there is this thing that happens in Genesis chapter 11 where mankind becomes corrupt. The flood comes, it wipes out all the earth, Noah begins, all of the people on the earth, Noah begins a family and that family goes, but because of the corruption of the human heart due to original sin, the, the earth becomes, humankind becomes corrupt again and they, they gather together on a plane and they decide that they're going to make a name for themselves apart from God. 
they're going to make a reputation for themselves apart from God, and they begin to build this structure. And at that time, they were all of one language. They were all of one purpose. And God makes a determination that corrupt humankind shall not make a name on his earth for themselves. So he, as you know, he scatters them. He brings confusion upon them, and they begin to speak with other languages, and they begin to be scattered throughout the earth, which is the origin of all the nations of the earth. And they begin to be scattered all throughout the earth. And it's in that moment that the nations of the earth begin to speak other languages. So there's no coincidence that in the account of the day of Pentecost that we see all the nations of the known earth represented in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Because for Jews, they were required to come and present themselves in Jerusalem on the Feast of Pentecost. What the picture of Pentecost is, is not only the birthday of the church, but is literally the restoration of the dream of God for humankind, that all of humankind would come back together as one man, and together they would not be about making a name for themselves, but they would worship the one true God, that they would worship him, that they would declare the good news of the coming of the kingdom of God. And with the coming of the kingdom of God, the restoration of the dream of God comes back to the earth. Could I get an amen in the room, anybody? So why is this day so important? It's so important because we understand and, and we have to hearken back to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. If you remember just a, a chapter before that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is standing on the Mount of Ascension with his disciples. He's getting ready to go up into heaven and take his seat at the right hand of God. And as he's giving his disciples their last minute orders, he begins to tell them about the kingdom. Now, the one thing that I love about these disciples is that even though they had spent three and a half years with Jesus, they still didn't get it. Everybody smile. It gives me hope because how many of you know I still don't get it? How many of you know you don't get it either, right? We're still learning. We're all learning. I don't care how old you are, you're still learning. So I'm still learning. And so, therefore, when they ask the question, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom back to Israel? And I want to think the resurrected Jesus might do one of these. Guys, duh, don't you get it? It's not just about Israel, although Israel is an important part of God's plan. It's literally about all the nations, all the nations of the earth coming to experience the kingdom and come back into the dream of God for the earth, and that is for all humankind to be sons and daughters of the living God. That's the whole purpose of this. And so he says, now go and wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And it's after you receive the promise of the Father that then you will go and be my witnesses throughout the entire earth to bring the good news, not just to the Jewish people, but indeed to all the nations of the world. That's the idea of Pentecost, that the harvest was not 
although it was to come first to the Jewish nation, but then it was to go to all the nations of the world and that the harvest of souls would come to all the nations of the world. That's the purpose of the power of Pentecost. Now, when I think about the commission of Jesus to 11 men, that they were to go into all the world, it really was like Mission Impossible. I mean, how many of you know, either watched the TV show or seen the movies, Mission Impossible? Anybody in the room? A couple of you, thank you. It's not a sin to watch a Mission Impossible TV show. You know, it's just, and what they were, they were given not difficult missions, not uh, complicated missions. They literally were given impossible missions. And the only way that they could complete their mission was from the skill set, the wisdom that they each had, as well as the amazing gadgets that they were given. And I want to say to you that the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I have been given gives us the wisdom that we are lacking, gives us the knowledge that we don't have, and also gives us signs, wonders, and miracles that are all about not lifting us up, but lifting up the name of Jesus and uh, having people experience and encounter with God where they understand that there is a God that loves the world, that cares for people, and is concerned about their every need. That's the idea of the signs, wonders, and miracles. You know, my, my friend Bill Johnson says this, we as the church owe the world an encounter with God. Now, I have to tell you that as I've had the privilege the last seven years of going to lots of Pentecostal and charismatic churches, and I love going to them. I love, uh, and by the way, you guys have a very unique and unusual presence of God that it's very powerful here that I don't feel in a lot of places. But I encounter a lot of Pentecostals and charismatics who have been in this for a while, and they all talk about when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They all talk about that time of impartation. They talk about when they were, uh, they spoke in tongues. And what's interesting to me, and I think it's good to have a good testimony, but what's interesting to me is that I read the New Testament. When I read from the book of Acts on, I don't see the disciples ever talking about the day of Pentecost. They don't ever say, remember back when? When we got the gift of tongues, remember back when, when the when the fire was on us? Remember when the Spirit of God blew through like a like a wind? Do you remember that? Do you remember that? They don't ever say that. And yet, for many of us in the church, we remember when it was the good old days. That revival, that renewal, that baptism. And yet we wonder how more how come more people aren't being saved. How come more people aren't being healed? How come we're not seeing what we used to see? And I'm convinced that the reason why the disciples didn't hearken back to days past was because they were living in a continuous infilling of the Holy Spirit. That they understood that the job that they had been given by Jesus was not just a one and done type of a thing, but they needed an ongoing supernatural encounter with God that when they got up in the morning they expected to be encountered by God. When they went to work they expected to encounter people who were sick, people who were demonized, people who had lots of problems because they were had not come to know Jesus Christ. 
and that as they counted upon that power of the Holy Spirit, they walked in supernatural power that was not evident among the rest of the world. They also understood that they had an enemy, the powers of darkness, that knew what it was to be supernatural. Guys, how many of you know that in our American culture alone, we have such a setup to walk in the supernatural power of God that, that the world is crying out for a supernatural encounter? You know how I know that? Because the latest Avengers Endgame movie just brought in $2.5 billion, as in a B, billion dollars that most of the television shows, most of the big movies are all about some kind of person who has a supernatural power, has a supernatural encounter, or does something that is beyond who they are. The whole theme, if, if all you have to do is watch the superhero movies and you see biblical themes rising up out of every one of them. Self-sacrifice, counting on a power that is beyond yourself, but going for trying to save the world. All of those are biblical themes that the comic book stole years ago. And I'm telling you in Jesus' name, it's time for the church to quit being bored with the Christian life and to step into the supernatural encounters that God has for you so that then your life becomes a supernatural encounter with God every time you're met. See, there's a reason why in Joel chapter 2 it talks about that when the blessing of God comes upon his people, they're going to, there's going to be vats overflowing of new wine. That when it refers to the power that's available for us, it talks about new wine. You know, here's the problem. Maybe we've been drinking the wrong wine. Now, I'm a Baptist, so I grew up a teetotaler, okay? So we had a thing about wine. But I found that Jesus doesn't have a problem with wine. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 2, he made wine for drunk people. Just saying, he made the best wine for a bunch of people who've been drinking wine all day. And it's a picture of being under the influence. You know, Pastor Joe was was driving his car one night, and he was driving down the road trying to get home, and he was swerving all over the road, and, and John, who was a police officer, was in his church, had to stop him because he was driving dangerously, and, and when he got to the car, he looked at Pastor Joe, and he says, Pastor Joe, what's going on? You're driving really erratically, and, and Joe says, I, I don't know. I'm just tired. I'm just trying to get home, and he noticed that there was a bottle between Pastor Joe's legs, and the officer said, Pastor Joe, what's that in the bottle? And Pastor Joe says, well, it's water. And he says, well, let me have a look at the bottle. So Pastor Joe reluctantly handed him the, the bottle, and he sniffed it, and he took a sip of it, and he said, Pastor Joe, this is wine. Pastor Joe said, Jesus did it again. <laughs> Some of you are just starting to get it right now, aren't you? You're just starting to get it. Here's my contention. I believe that, that even within the Pentecostal and Charismatic Church, we have been drinking a wine that is full of religion, that is full of God as we are familiar with him, that God can only operate in certain ways around us. And that kind of wine of tradition and religion makes us dull, makes us sleepy, makes us unaware 
of what's really going on in the earth today. And while the rest of the world is going to the powers of darkness, we sit in the comfort and we say, why aren't more people being saved? Why aren't more people being healed? And we have a tendency to blame it on the men and women of God that God has given us to equip us while they're doing everything that they can to say to you, we're giving you everything that you need to go out and live the dream of God for your life. This is not just about religion. It's not just about church. It's about literally living as a supernatural being in a world that brings the power of God to restore the dream of God for humankind. You get to be part of restoring the dream of God to earth so that God can be glorified. It says about Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord God was upon him because the Lord had anointed him to declare good news to the afflicted, to the poor, to the victimized, the traumatized, the demonized. He came to heal the brokenhearted, to declare liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to, to comfort those who mourn, to give to those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness and fainting, so that they would be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Every person that you restore the dream of God to their lives, God gets more glory. You give them an encounter with a supernatural God that is all about healing, restoring, freeing them into the dream of God in Jesus' name. In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul gives this admonition to the Ephesians. He says, don't be without wisdom, but understand what the will of the Lord is for you. You know, as pastors, we get people all the time that come to us and say, what is the will of God for me? And I can say to you, my friends, that I know this is the will of God for you because it's right in Scripture. It says this, this is the will of God for you. That you not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but that you are, you are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in those next verses, it describes a life full of praise, full of supernatural power, through thanksgiving, that is full of love, that is full of grace, so that your life becomes a divine magnet, so that people are literally drawn to you because of the supernatural power that is upon your life. I'm telling you, you don't have to go to a supernatural ministry school to get this. As a matter of fact, let me just be really to the point. If you're not asking God for supernatural power on a daily basis to be the dream of God that he created you for, then you're missing the will of God for your life. You're not living to your potential. You're not living to the fullness of what God created you for. There will come a day, and I don't mean to make this a downer, but there will come a day that you'll give an account before Jesus. You'll be saved. You'll be in heaven, but you'll give an account to Jesus for all that you've been given. And the question is, what will you say to him? If all you've done is considered your duty to God to sit in church on Sunday, give your tithe and offering, and then go home and watch NFL football every Sunday afternoon. What will you give an account to Jesus for the empowering of the Spirit of God that gave you the gift of tongues, but you've not seen one person saved through your testimony or through your ministry? You've not seen one person healed. You've not seen one person really set free by the power of your testimony. And I want to say to you in Jesus' name, and I mean this, with all of my heart, my brothers and sisters, 
our cry as pastors who are trying to equip you and raise you up is for you to experience the gold of the Holy Spirit, the gold of the identity he created you for. And he created you as a son and a daughter to join in the family business, to be part of the inheritance of Christ, that you advance the kingdom of God everywhere you go. So this morning, I'm asking today for the Holy Spirit to bring a gift of repentance in this room. I'm asking him right now to speak to you, not out of guilt or shame, but out of simple conviction, that if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you're not living in the power of it now, it's time to be refilled. If you're not seeing people touched and blessed around you because of who you are, it's time to be refilled. If you are not giving people an encounter with God through your love, through your life, through your testimony, then it's time to be refilled. You must understand this. If you're not depending upon this empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life to live the purpose of God for your life, if you're not experiencing that, then you need to be refilled. So I just want you to put out your hands right now. Like you're going to get something. Literally, put your hands out like you're going to, I'm going to give you, put something in your hands. Not in a praise position, but in a receiving position. Because you see, you can't live the way God has called you to live without this power. You can't live without this grace. As a matter of fact, I love this definition of grace. Grace is the empowering presence of God that enables me to be all that God created me to be and to do that all God created me to do. But first, it's be. So, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in this room right now. As you did this uh, just a few minutes ago in worship, come again. Bring the gift of repentance right now. And repentance simply means I'm going to change the way I think about what you ask of me about what's available to me. And Holy Spirit of God, fill me again. Now, if you feel heat coming on your body, if you feel electricity on the top of your head, your shoulders, if you feel oil or wet on your hands, if you feel weepy, if you feel joy, those are all symbols of the Holy Spirit of his manifestation. But peace is also a significant manifestation. And if you're right now experiencing more peace than you did when you walked in this room, that's him. So Spirit of the living God, fall, fall now. Come in power, Holy Spirit, to every person that's crying out. It's crying out for more. Let the more come. Let the more come. Let the more come. In Jesus' name.